This week on the Koshcast. Liverpool stroll as City get rolled over. Bruno Fernandes FC begins and Lampard finally starts to look a little older. In Spain, Levante gets smoked by Barcelona's Fati. And in Italy, Immobile does some incredible stat padding. All this and much, much more. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the Kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. Roche is here. Yes, I am here. How are you? Uh, very well, thank you. And <laughs> Bernie is here too. <laughs> I'm sorry, Roche just full-blown deadpan that and yep. like, I didn't really know <laughs> how to react to that. But yeah, I'm here and I'm, I'm glad to be here, lads. Okay, I am glad that Yay. you are both here. Where would you like to start in the world of football? Actually, actually, I have somewhere I'd like to start, um, which is a, a story that I think just broke, which is that Gareth Bale has launched a new esports organization called Elevens Esports, except the Elevens is spelled with two L's. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but I just, he just needs stuff to do, isn't it? So I was reading about Gareth Bale today, and, uh, well, his agent said that Gareth has two and a half years left on his contract. At first, I went, what? Like how? Like like what? And then secondly, I was, and he, he said, you know, he's happy, and him and Zidane know what's going on. I'm like, I think Zidane is in on this. Like Zidane is, is just letting the guy saying, listen, long as you don't disturb me and make noise, I won't tell anyone that you're just playing golf the whole time and starting an esports like like league or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, I think that there's they've reached an impasse where everyone's just yeah. accepted that nothing's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, I think Zidane, you know, he, he recoiled from his earlier statements of like wanting Bale out. And he's like, no, no, I can't live without Bale now. But at least I'm glad to see that Bale's been busy in his time off the field. I mean, I well, can respect him for that. Yeah, I mean, Bale seems to be taking this seriously. He said, there are similarities between football and esports and it takes real dedication and sacrifice to reach the top of your game. I'm looking to recruit a team of world-class players for 11s across a variety of games. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> like yeah. The blandest statement for the blandest player around. It, it's you know, just... I, I wonder if this is a money laundering like technique because it is Spain after all. And if he's doing this, I mean, the whole team's probably in on it. Or just sheltering taxes. Yeah. You yeah. never know. You never know. I, I just feel like it's a bit of a shame that... Okay, Roche, okay, for context, Roche hates Neymar, and you'll see where I'm going with this. Mm. And <laughs> I also think he's a bit of a prat, but I, I don't go to throwing him into volcano levels of hatred that Roche goes into. Um, but I remember when we used to say um, Gareth Bale was the understudy to Ronaldo and Neymar was the understudy to Messi because they were on the same teams, and those would be the two guys who would pop up and take over the world. And now both of them, to various degrees, varying degrees, just don't care and, and <laughs> i find that really really sad yet funny at the same time it is sad. i want to sorry alex go ahead no go on uh, i was just gonna say i i like bernie's reference to me wanting to throw neymar into volcanoes but i think what it's really going to show is that they've really become their own people rather than understudies or like padawans of other great players yeah, well, perhaps. I, I, what I wonder is if whether, you know, if Messi and Ronaldo weren't there. Like, we've always had this conversation, like, would Messi or Ronaldo be as good as they are without each other for the competition? But perhaps we can also ask whether the likes of Bale and Neymar, maybe even Griezmann, would be better if they didn't have these guys above them or ahead of them that were always going to overshadow them. You know, have they to an extent given up because they will never be as good as these guys. To, to, to take that and to take Roche's point, like Roche's saying that, you know, he's happy for them because they're being their own men. Yeah, being their own men who are not footballers at this point. Uh, except maybe Neymar a little bit because he's just doing flicks and tricks in, in, in Paris. But I, I, think, I think there's something to that. Um, Alex, we all know that Neymar wanted to leave Messi's shadow, but he just wanted to leave Messi's shadow so he could play street football. Like, that's, that's essentially what he left to do. He didn't go to win anything. And Gareth Bale left Ronaldo Shadow to be, you know, a PGA Tour player. So, yep. yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a bit of a shame. It's a bit of a shame because I would have loved to see, you know, Neymar and uh, Gareth Bale go, like, 
go at it for titles. That would have been fun. But, you know, that's never going to happen now. You know, we would have liked to see these players become their full potential as they were tutored to be. And that would have been nice. But I think it also is a testament to Messi and Ronaldo because these guys are addicted to discipline. They're addicted to becoming better every single day. It's, and they've been doing this their whole lives, not just for their careers. And so far, like, players like Bale and Neymar, like, it's really hard for them to kind of keep up when you're seeing someone like Ronaldo, who's a freak, and he's doing, like, a thousand crunches. Like, any, any five-minute gap he has in his day, he's doing, like, crunches or, or sit-ups or something. Like, it, it probably drives these guys crazy because, like, you know, if you have one off day, you're already so far off the pace. It would be, it would be depressing after a while. You'd be like, there's nothing I can do really about this apart from wait for them to retire. And even that, Ronaldo said he's not going to do it till he's 40. So, you know, there is. Um, shall we move on to the Premier League then? It, it might be over. But uh, it's still somewhat exciting. I mean, Liverpool are now, what, 22 points clear? Um, Roche, I know, I know Liverpool's success depresses you, but we have to admit that the fact that they might be able to win it in mid-March is absolutely unreal. Yeah, I mean, you know, on one hand, like it is Liverpool. On the other hand, I mean, it's not, it's not like a Liverpool team of old. Like, you know, this Liverpool team kind of feels like it you know it's got its own identity, a new identity, not not the same identity as in the '90s when like I think the rivalry between Liverpool and other teams was like even more heated. You know those those players of like Carragher, Gerrard, they're no longer there in this Liverpool team, and I'm very happy they never want to leave. But I'm okay with with players like uh, you know Jordan Henderson or Mohamed Salah or Sadio Mane winning a league much better than I am with you know the old guard of Liverpool players. Um, but yeah, with that being said, like they're 22 points ahead. We've only played 25 games in the league. And if we get to match today at 30 and the gap is anything more than 24 points, they've won the league by match day 30. So I think like, you know, then if, if they have won the league that early, we're looking at Liverpool going on to like focus their attention on other cup competitions. And, um, you know, have you ever seen a team do their job, do their homework all season so well to the point that they could decide, okay, we won the league with eight games to spare. Now let's focus our attention on other competitions and not give a shit about the league. Yeah, no, I mean, we've, we've literally never seen this. The closest anyone got, I believe, was uh, Manchester United in like, the early 2000s when they won it in April. Um, so, yeah, this is a whole month better. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, you know what? Uh, we have to give this Liverpool credit, this team credit. And this would be, if, if they were to pull this off at the rate that they're going, the, probably the greatest uh, individual campaign we've ever seen. Um, at this point, even if they lose one, right, which it's, I don't think they will now, um, Man City are our are last hope, and they're pretty useless, <laughs> as, we'll, as we'll talk about. Uh, but if they go unbeaten from here on, then that's only – like they're going to absolutely decimate the Arsenal Invincibles team. And they probably have already. Um, I don't know what else to say. Like it's, it's, this is probably the best individual campaign that we've seen. And I think that's doubly impressive because after city getting, was it a hundred points or something? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then that win, and then getting 98 points the season after or something like that, we said that would never be topped. It got. It's going to be topped in two years. <laughs> like, like that. That is unbelievable. And and we have to give Jurgen Klopp all the credit in the world. Um, best manager in the world right now. Um, I don't even think that's close. Um, you know, and he's doing it with with players who you would just say that are not world class. I mean, he made them world class. I think we mm-hmm. said this on the other podcast. Salah didn't come in with world class pedigree. Neither did Mane. Firmino definitely not. And Jordan Henderson is still not that great, but whatever. Like so and Virgil van Dijk when he came in, no one knew how good he was, right? So they've made all these guys world class. They weren't even top class necessarily, like city class of player when they brought mm-hmm. them in. So props to Liverpool, absolute credit, wonderful season. That's yeah. And they won four nil on the weekend. Nil-nil. They've done this where like it's looked a bit iffy, and then all of a sudden they blow you out. So yeah. you know it's a, it's a sign of a good team. It really is. I mean, what was amazing about the weekend was that Southampton played quite well and lost four-nil. Like <laughs> that's how that's how impossible it is to do anything against this Liverpool team. And sorry, lads, I've just looked up their next fixtures. Uh, can I read them to you, please? 
Norwich, West Ham, Watford, Bournemouth, and they and then they could win it against Everton. If other results go the way, they could win the league against Everton. 16th of March. <laughs> I mean... Okay. <laughs> so, so we're looking at like play 30, 129, round yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, okay, so like you know, you brought up the Invincible team a little bit earlier. That Invincible team, they were undefeated, but they had only 90 points in the league. Oh, okay. we had 12 draws, I believe, yeah. Yeah, 12 draws, but, you know, undefeated, but, you know, 90 points in the league, and I think they won by, like, a fair, fair margin. They won the league by 11 points a year. Now you're looking at teams with 98, 97 points, and now this Liverpool team is, is looking to break that. I think they might end up with about 110 points. Like, if they, if they don't drop any, any points, they're going to end up way well above 100 points. Like, forget the 100-point mark. And, you know, we saw City get 100 points a couple of seasons ago, and that matched the Real Madrid team of 2011 in the La Liga campaign, where they got 100 points. So those are the only times that we've seen 100 points happen, like, you know, not just in England, but in continental Europe as well. Yeah. And now we're looking at this Liverpool team. I think they're only, they need, so I think they're at like 70, 74, 73 or 74 points right now. But you, it's, it's it's doable. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna end up with like over a hundred points by like a margin. You know what's really interesting about this team for me, and why I say that even if they do lose one, they're well, not if they lose one, but they are significantly better than the Invincibles team to me because there was a there was a lot of luck in the Invincibles team, right? And of course, the best teams need luck. Like '99, United needed luck. Like friggin' everyone needs luck, as far as I'm concerned. But it feels as if, and maybe I'm wrong here. This Liverpool team so far has not had to rely on luck at all. I, I can't remember a time, like last season with that whole, remember that Everton goal that Origi scored? Yeah. And you thought, oh my God, they're going to luck their way through this. And, and I think it happened, some, some, there was only another weird circumstance, I can't remember what it was. But I can't, and maybe it's just memory, but I can't remember one time this season where I felt like they would have lost the game mm. if not for luck. Yeah, I, I think that's the important distinction. I think there have been there have been numerous VAR calls that people have have uh, thought were were very fortunate in Liverpool's favour. But I agree that I don't think there have been a, I don't think there's been a game where any of those decisions have made have uh, have felt like the difference between them winning and losing. They've always been in control. Uh, there's maybe one or two games where where they played really badly and, and scraped wins but every team does that i think really if you're comparing them to the to the arsenal invincibles what the arsenal invincibles have left over this liverpool team was the style in which they did it liverpool obviously a, a brilliant attacking team but it's more it's more kind of it's even hard to balance it, yeah, it's balanced, but it's also it's also kind of automatic. They have their set movements, and they and they and they do them to to devastating effect. Whereas Arsenal was a bit more free form because obviously Wenger didn't give anyone any instructions. Um, so I think that's really the the main difference between the between the teams in terms of yeah, style. Yeah, I think it's also I, I think like to complement that they've also got a pretty well oiled unit with a, a fitness regiment. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Their fitness coach has done an exceptional job with this team because I just feel like for the whole 90 minutes, they're performing at, at like a consistent level. You don't see them drop off. You don't see them let teams come at them. They always get the ball back. Van Dyke is always looking to make that pass out the back. You know, the, the game is always in their hands. And, That's you know, true. like that's just a testament to like not only Klopp's tactics, but also... Their players are like some of the only players in the league who are not being injured. Everyone is on form. They're not injured. And there's no rumors about them trying to go to another club because they are at the best possible club they can be in their careers. They're never going to achieve this ever again. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it would be funny if it turns out they're all on drugs. <laughs> oh, I'd be so happy. I, I would be, oh my God. If, if it turns out that they, there was some calcio poly going on over here, <laughs> I would... Personally, it's the middle of winter here in Canada. I would probably leave the house, take my boxers, and, and jump in like snow or something. Yeah, fair enough. All right, um, let, that's enough Liverpool. Let's, uh, let's talk about what should have been their closest rival, their closest challenger, Manchester City. They dropped more points this weekend. Pretty crazy, pretty entertaining game. 
at the uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, for want of a better name. Um, Bernie, did you watch this? Uh, I did watch this uh, in, in bits and pieces. And what I saw was it, it was a ridiculous game of football from every angle. So I'll start with um, Raheem Sterling should have gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, he should have been sent off for that tackle, which I thought was reminiscent of Aubameyang, um, what he got sent off for, when, yep. which he was, I think I thought rightfully so at the time. Um, I saw some people saying that he went for the ball and Aubameyang didn't. And I thought intention of what you're trying to go for has no bearing on whether you should be sent off or not. I really hate <laughs> when for ex-players say stuff like this. So maybe that's even why, because they're ex-players. Like, they're not that intelligent, most of them. But Oh, he's anyway. not that kind of player, Clive. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything to anybody, but okay, bro. Um, but anyway, uh, I thought that he should have been um, sent off for the tackle in itself. But then he was on a yellow card, and so Hugo Lloris saves the penalty, and then Raheem Sterling dives over to try and win another penalty in, in the space of 10 seconds. That should have been the second yellow card. And Jose Mourinho, as annoying as he is, had the funniest reaction in the entire world <laughs> to that. If you've not seen the clip, please uh, go see it. He's, he celebrates the penalty, and then literally all of a sudden he realizes that Raheem Sterling was on a second yellow and just bolts out of his seat like and flips the hell out and it was so it was so so funny it's amazing it was amazing and and all the more amazing to see like his assistant slowly turning into him as well which is absolutely phenomenal um but yeah just, just a bonkers game I want to get your your opinions on something here which is that when the penalty was awarded Aguero chose not to take it, uh, as far as we know, because he's had two penalties saved by Lloris in the past. Now, aside from pissing off everyone that picked him in FPL, uh, Roche, how do you feel about the star striker of the team giving up that responsibility? Do you think that is uh, a smart thing to do um, if you're not confident? Or would you be massively disappointed in him if you were a City fan? Uh, I mean, yeah, he's not confident and he didn't believe in that moment that he could take that penalty and score that goal. And, um, you know, if I was in his shoes, if I wasn't confident I was going to score that goal, I would definitely hand out the responsibility to the next taker. Because there's, there's, I mean, they're professional footballers. Any one of those 11 players can kick that ball. <laughs> so if he's not feeling confident, someone else is going to kick that ball. And it turns out it didn't matter. Right. Yeah, it was a pretty terrible penalty in the end by Gundogan. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Aguero's been scoring a bunch of goals in recent weeks anyway. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it may be, you know, on one hand you can say, yeah, he's done a good thing by trying to share the goals or share the chances with the, you know, the other team players. Um, but obviously it doesn't help if no one can score a penalty. Yeah, for sure. Um, anyway, so, the, you know, the game goes on. Uh, City creating all the chances. They really, really lacked cutting edge in front of goal which is a bizarre thing to say about this team but it, it's been the case all season like the the points that they've dropped the games that they've lost or drawn they've always dominated they always create tons of chances and for whatever reason they just can't put them away to the extent that i wonder if they'll start looking at, at strikers over the summer but you know it was kind of smash and grab from spurs they had what two shots all game and they scored from both of them um, i don't know if kind of <laughs> <laughs> it was it was the definition. But just, just to jump in on your point about um, them being clinical in front of goal. Now, I don't typically listen to talk sport. Um, I mean, if, if Bernie, I need... you say that. But... I know. And I say this every time I say that. <laughs> but, I mean, so whenever... If, if I need football content, like right now, and, and, and Twitter's not going to cut it, and I just want to hear things, you know, and I can't wait for a podcast, I listen to talk sport. And it's not an intelligent yeah. thing to do, but... It, it's there so the reason i do this is because i just want to hear what people are saying and these people are not intelligent but in their unintelligence or ignorance um some gems did come out uh, of this and raheem sterling was heavily criticized by man city fans um after this because apparently he was missing chances and not in in the right positions and he did the same thing against man united and he's not been great recently um and someone said that he's not as good as people suggest he is now i think he's a great player i i do think he is however 
he is incredibly streaky. I'm, and I mean incredibly streaky. It, it's bizarre how streaky the boy can be. And he's actually still missing many. Remember when he scored, I think two seasons ago, he scored like 30 goals or something like this. Mm-hmm. Like the number of chances he missed were unbelievable. And that's a product of the number of chances that they generate. But he still misses a stupid amount of chances. And at some point, you're going to um, basically go back to the, to the norm, essentially. And it seems that's what's happening at this point in time. I expect him to go back up and start scoring goals again in a couple of games. But I think we have to have a, a, a conversation about Raheem Sterling. And that conversation will kick back up when Leroy Sané gets fit. I mean, if you think Leroy Sané is going to have, play another game for Manchester City. I think he has to. <laughs> if they want to win Champions League and do whatever else they've got. I'm not saying he's better than Sterling, but I think they need another option so that Sterling can take, take a break. He might be tired. That might be it. I don't know. But they need something else there. Roche, I'll get your thoughts on Sterling in a second, but just to to Bernie's to counter Bernie your point there about Sterling and his his goal return, I want to I want to look at the last three seasons, including this one, 2017-18. Overall, this is League Cup, Champions League, everything. 23 goals in 46 games. 2018-19, 25 goals, 51 games. This season, he's already got 20 and 35. So like he's more than on course to match, if not better, his his previous years tallies. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not really talking about the overall. I'm saying he's still missing a hat load of chances. Mm. And usually he scores them in crucial times. The last two seasons, part, remember, I think two seasons ago, when they did get to 100 points, there was a point where they were just winning games one nothing, And it was usually him. And it was usually him. And in recent times, he's come under criticism because he's not been scoring crucial goals when they needed him to. So it's it's just something for like I think we need to just keep track of here because something's not right and it and it's not just the because Guerrero has been on form recently he just had a bad game today right so just I think we need to be careful with Sterling and I think he might be tired. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah. to, your, to your point about Sane, you know, maybe he's missing some competition. Roche. Yeah, it's actually yeah, that's a good point to bring up. Sterling is. He's a good player. He's a bit of an enigma in that you don't really understand, like, you know, with him in or out of the team, like, how is the team going to be any different with this Man City team? Because he's not a game-changer kind of player. It's almost like, you know, if Man City are, you know, nil-nil with 15 minutes left in the game, if you give the ball to Raheem Sterling, is he going to make a difference for you? And more often than not, it's, like, hard to, hard to justify a yes for that answer. I don't know if you guys feel the same or not, but I just feel like, you know, he is getting goals, but I mean, this Man City team, they play a certain way that gets him goals, but he's not the kind of player that's going to make an individual difference. Like he's not well, going to take the game, the scruff of the neck. Well, just, just, just to add to the point, uh, I was, they were talking about the runs that he was making into the box went like, let me say, a month ago versus the runs that he's making now. He's not making the same runs. And when you're not making the same runs, that tells me that you're mentally or physically tired. Like, it's not as if it's not something he doesn't know how to do, right? So if you're not doing what you know how to do, it's probably a physical thing or a mental thing. And this break if, is, is coming at the right time because I think when the break is done, he'll be back. Fair enough. Um, speaking of making runs, uh, man of the match, Giovanni Lo Celso covered more ground than anyone else, played more passes than any other Spurs player. Um, they have, with the new signing, you know, debut goal, Stephen Bergwijn, they have a, a nucleus of a, a new team popping up, which is funny because, you know, there was all that talk about how Pochettino didn't get to rebuild the squad. And, and it's kind of happening now. Like the, you know, Dem- Ndombele is, is fit again. Lo Celso is coming to the team and is doing really well. Bergwijn now in the, in the team. These are all really young uh, talented players and it bernie is something new emerging here um i think something new is emerging i'm not sure if if it makes sense but i think something (laughs) new is emerging um i think the real test of this would be what they do with the defense um because no one knows if vertonghen is going to sign although aldevaro did if you're telling me that you're he's happy with the defense then i think we're all crazy but there needs to be some major surgery done on the defense. Let's see. I would have, I would have signed a better defender than get Bergvine, um, even though I think he's a good player. Um, 
I think they had other priorities, including a striker. Um, this is not sustainable long term. They got this result, which helps them out, basically because Man City were profligate and they had a red card. This was not a tactical masterclass. This was not a function of a wonderful attacking performance. Um, they they need to do other things. But let's you know let, let's see what happens. Yeah, no, agreed. And, and they're fifth, they're four points off off Chelsea, and really the last Champions League spot is going to go to whoever can put like three or four wins together, and no one's been able to do it so far. Yep. Yeah, I I just want to quickly add on Man City's form that they just also lost to United in the in the League Cup, even though they went through on aggregate. That's two games in a row now where they've lost uh, and they haven't scored against uh, you know Man City. I mean, sorry, Man United and Spurs. So maybe Guardiola sucks. It's <laughs> <sighs> okay. okay. They've got David Moyes' West Ham coming up, so that's the uh, the cure all <laughs> for for everything. This is true. All right. Um, what else happened on Sunday? Burnley nil, Arsenal nil. Uh, I really don't want to talk about this very much. It was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen. Uh, Arsenal <laughs> got pretty much dominated by Burnley for large <laughs> swathes of this game, which is an embarrassment. Um, Burnley uh, just kicked the ball long at their big two strikers and hoped for a nod down or a chest down or a flick on or a boot. And uh, Skodra Mustafi was Arsenal's best player, which tells you <laughs> everything you need to know. Uh, the only highlight, really, of this game for me is that I'm sure you've seen the clips doing the rounds on, on Twitter or, or elsewhere. Um, Sean Dyche very visibly asking Chris Wood to not be a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, just, just on the Mustafi point, um, Serge Tacular. Uh, Serge at Serge Tacular uh, mm-hmm. tweeted us and I saw this at work and I, I had to go into a room and just burst out laughing so I wouldn't get fired. Uh, it said, Mustafi was our best player and my therapist had the audacity to fucking ask me how I was doing. <laughs> it, it just yep. killed me. Like, this was as bad a performance that as, as, as I've seen from Arsenal. And listen, Arteta could, could turn out to be great. We'll see. But after three games, and I think he, didn't, he had only won one of those three games, people were saying, oh, my God, he's figured it out. This team has identity. No, it doesn't. And that's not necessarily his fault. He's got Mustafi in the team, although Mustafi played well. But, and still, relying on Grant Xhaka long-term is not a good idea. Like, we know this. These players will let you down. Mesut Ozil is finished. We know this. He has one assist in 11 games. This is not going to work unless he's, unless he's given the, 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 the chance to uh, build a team. Then you'll know if this is going to work. He didn't solve anything in three games. and People needed to calm down. But the record Arteta has of eight points from his first seven league matches is the worst record. It is worse than the records of all but only three Arsenal managers since World War I. Like, since World War I. This is World War I. Like, so... By every measure, he's not doing very well. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean that he won't do well, but by, right now, he's not doing very well at all, and I'm sorry to say that. Presumably, some of the other managers were struggling because their team were in the trenches rather, <laughs> rather than on the field. But, yeah, I mean... Of what, course, what? back then, the soccer fields were... I mean, if it rained, it was pretty much a trench anyway. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They were wearing, like, army boots on field uh what i will just say in defense of of arteta not that you were really attacking him and i I understand your point but he has uh, he has made us a lot more solid not that burnley didn't have chances to win this because they did uh, as did arsenal really but arsenal are uh, unbeaten in seven games in all, all competitions um and unbeaten in seven successive premier league away games and while we're not getting the wins that we would like, and while we're not playing the fluid football that everyone would like to see eventually, he has solidified us and, and steadied the ship. Um, we're no longer in the relegation zone, which is obviously a plus. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I think, you know, as you say, we, we take the season as what it is, which is a massive write-off, and, and we move on with our lives. <laughs> Alex is sipping from the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer chalice of positivity today. Because that was a load of nonsense. What? Unbeaten in seven. What do you want? This is where we're going. Unbeaten in seven. Our goal difference is is only minus two. (laughs) 
<laughs> you should have lost some of them and won some of them. You'd be better off. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably true. It's probably true. Okay, let's go to the other contenders to, for the top four. Leicester two, Chelsea two. Both teams struggling a bit recently. Patchy form. As I said, no one can put any uh, you know, run of wins together. Uh, the, you know, the, the bizarreness of the Premier League exemplified by Antonio Rudiger uh, who Bernie, you and I have slagged off at every possible opportunity, scoring two goals for Chelsea. Uh, and Harvey Barnes on form and, and Chilwell scoring for, for Leicester. Roche, what were your impressions of Leicester-Chelsea? Uh, it's a shame that Vardy didn't score again because I was looking forward to some FPL points. Um, but I'm glad that Leicester didn't lose because I do think that they've lost a bit of form. They were looking like, you know, they, I mean, they had a 10-game sorry, an eight or nine game win streak somewhere this season as well. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like in the last five that they've played, they've, they've had a lot of draws, a couple of losses, no goals from Vardy in like a few games now. So um, I am glad that they didn't lose to this Chelsea team. But I am uh, a bit annoyed that uh, it was Rudiger who scored Chelsea's goal of all people. So hard to kind of say if one team deserved the victory or not on the balance of play. But um, I guess because both were equally incompetent, then uh, the draw is fair. Yeah, Bernie? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. In watching that, look, it's the same thing I'll say. I, I actually thought, if not for Harvey Barnes, just, you know, I mean, he did score, but then he couldn't score after that when he really had an open net, or I think it was Vardy's good work or whatever put him in. I thought he had to score, um, which could have put the game out of sight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but... You know, Rudiger getting getting a brace is annoying, but then again, he still couldn't defend very well, so I still have that in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I say the same thing I said about Arteta. It's been a very bad January, really, for Chelsea, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, and they've not played well recently. This idea of an identity still didn't see it. And Tammy Abraham was not fit. Which is, which is a problem. And they, you know, he didn't look match fit anyway in this game. And they needed a striker and they did nothing. And they spent, I said this on the thread, and we've only got a minute left in part one, but I'll make this quick. They spent the better half of six months fighting for the transfer ban to be removed and they didn't do anything. And maybe they didn't need to. Maybe they just need to play Batshuayi more. I don't know. But I don't know. Some, something had to be done. They didn't do anything. So, and I'm not sure why not just to very quickly add to that and to bring up a player that Roche I know you like a lot uh you know they have Giroud sitting there on the bench and Lampard for whatever reason really doesn't want to use him and it's kind of odd in that sense because so many other teams would try and think that he's useful and want to try and bring him in Chelsea didn't let him go but also still won't use him it's weird one team uh, just below Leicester and Chelsea uh, who absolutely have no right whatsoever to be fifth of Sheffield United on 36 points, only five points off Chelsea. Uh, honestly, as as terrible as everyone else in the league has been, they're they're a wonderful story this season. They are a wonderful story, um, and they got this wonderful chant for Saint de Berge, uh, their their new signing. They're literally loving life right now, and I think. I feel like they're everyone's second favorite team now. Um, and, and, you know, it's a wonderful story. Uh, they feel like the Brexit FC that are interesting. Um, Burnley are the Brexit FC that we all want to go down. Um, so I really, I do really, really like them. Um, they won over the weekend. I can't remember who they played, but they won one. Palace. They beat Palace one now. And they, and they typically do win one nil as well. They don't score many goals, but they don't concede them. Um, you know, they play to the manager's strengths and to the manager's will. Um, he's got them going. It's, it's a wonderful story. I do hope that they stay up. I mean, like next season as well. I'm going to stay up this season for sure. Um, they, they deserve to stay for me. And uh, I like what's going on there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that Bernie likes them particularly because there's a player called McBurney. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. I've thought about this many times, actually. But he's like, I, if yeah. I was Scottish, that would be me. And look like a Viking. That would be me. <laughs> True. Speaking of Vikings, uh, you know, you, you mentioned Sander Burge there, but like that's a huge signing for Sheffield United. This is like a, uh, you know, 
top-rated young European central midfielder that lots of clubs are after. And I don't really know how they've managed to pull this off, but it's very impressive. Um, I also should have known this, but only learned today that Sheffield United are half-owned by, like, a Saudi prince. Yes. Yes, they are. Uh, They've kept that quiet. He actually did an interview where he was talking about keeping the manager and loving the philosophy and the way that they play. He seems very into Chris Wilder. Uh, and, and I like that. I, I really like that because he could have done the whole, I'm going to bring in a continental, you know, manager thing. And he didn't do that. So it's, 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 uh, it's refreshing to see a, a foreign um, ownership system come in and not turn everything on its head. Well, bruv, like, if, if your English manager brings you from League One into the Premier League, you should probably leave him alone. <laughs> probably. Uh, anyway, absolutely remarkable stuff there. Um, any uh, other particular games that anyone wants to speak about in the Premier League? Um, I mean, well, let's, we, won't, we won't get away without talking about uh, Bruno Fernandes FC. Oh, yeah, right. Of course. Yeah, we're not, we're not going to... And this is only because from a selfish perspective, and I've said this on the podcast, but this was my signing. Alex, you know this. This yep. was my signing. And, and, and I've told people, I don't even care how he does. <laughs> it doesn't even matter to me whether he's a success or he's a flop. He's my signing. I felt like I willed this signing into existence. This and was this I'm was when, when Bernie joined the ranks of the, the people like tracking flights and like <laughs> <laughs> Remember the first the first podcast of the season, I think it was a transfer window one, and I went off and I ranted that this team did not do what it was responsible for and which was signing a creative player and he was there for the taking. I was almost in tears. So the fact that they've done this I don't, it doesn't mean that they care about me, but <laughs> you feel it for a little bit. That's true. Roche, do you feel like they care about you? Absolutely not. Sorry, I took my time getting off mute there. It's okay. I think, I think Roche was one of those people that uh, he actually flew to... So this is breaking news. Roche flew to England, bought some flares, went to Woodward's house, mm. and threw them at his house. <laughs> uh, oh, yes. Uh, this is a great topic. I was, <laughs> I was initially so happy when this happened. Um, but then I quickly realized, I mean, yeah, I don't want anyone to be harmed, obviously, but I do want Ed Woodward to know that, you know, as, as much as he does have the power to uh, steer this club in a certain direction, that, um, that the fans are there watching him every step of the way and the fans will step in when they need to step in. But, you know, I think the club has done the right thing in addressing the fans and telling them that, you know, any, any further... Um, hooliganism behind this is, is wrong. Obviously, you can have your protests. You can you can be smarter about this if you have a message to deliver to Ed Woodward. You don't need to go to his house and trash it. Um, <laughs> but you know, on, like on the same day or the day after, Woodward has finished the deal for Bruno Fernandez, and then he's he's gone and got Solomon Rondon. So I found I don't know if uh, I don't know if Woodward responded to these fans in this way or not. Um, we don't really get too much out of Woodward anyway in terms of like DR statements. What do you think? Well, so, well, you mean Igalo because you would have wanted Rondon, but <laughs> I got my Nigerian brother. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. But Woodward was not at the Wolves game. And I think that there, was, there were rumors of a, of a walkout in 58th minute, which didn't happen. Um, and I never expected it to happen, but it didn't happen. And it's, you know, for all, it's good that he wasn't there because he would have been bored stiff watching this game. Uh, it, it was very boring. The only good things actually were Bruno Fernandes in this game. Um, but it was boring outside of that. And uh, Wolves and Man United are boring games. <laughs> the, the two teams just like, want to counterattack and don't know what to do outside of that. So it cancels each other out incredibly. They just absolutely Portugal each other to death. It's, it's like, that's exactly what it is. Uh, I, I read that there were chants of Bruno, Bruno. So I'm glad that you lot have written a song for him. There, there is a chant, but it hasn't worked its way up yet. Uh, uh, how does it go? Bruh, I don't know it yet. I haven't learned it. And I feel ashamed I haven't learned it yet. <laughs> this is your signing. I, I know, I know. I've, I, I've tried to petition one, but it didn't really work. So right now we're going for Bruno. Oh, Bruno. Uh, until we can figure something out. But well, yeah, but like, then what? He comes from Portugal. Uh, it's something about Magnifico, like something about Cristiano and Magnifico in it. 
uh, uh okay it hasn't it hasn't landed yet so we'll uh Roche, i think you should come up with something man i think we can do better than that uh, what i will say is that uh that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has likened him to paul skulls which i'm sure is a very useful comparison at this point <laughs> like, yeah, yeah so that's exactly what we need I mean, they are in similar in that they both can't tackle and they both just shoot. So like, <laughs> and they now wear the same number. So I get it, but like, let's not compare people to past legends and put pressure on them in their first game. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, I one other funny moment I want to highlight, and again, this is another situation where if you're listening, I'm sure you've probably seen this online somewhere. But uh, end of the game, players are swapping shirts and what have you, high fiving each other. Um, congratulating each other on a hard-fought nil-nil dross fest, and uh, Bruno Fernandez swaps shirts with one of the the Wolves players. At which point, when he puts it on, he just looks like any other random Portuguese player for Wolves, <laughs> <laughs> and he's clapping hands with David de Gea, who very clearly does not recognise him. <laughs> it was so funny. He, he probably thought he was Ruben Deves or something. Yeah, I mean they look quite similar in the first place. So uh, I, I got a stat before we move on to the next game. Uh, Bruno Fernandes had more shots on target than Aubameyang, Lacazette, and Ozil combined. Bernie, calm down. <laughs> Bernie, please. Oh, my God. How many was it? Two? It was five. <laughs> Sorry, oh, dear. Four on target. I think like five in all. But uh, I just... I only brought up that stat because it was funny. <laughs> no other reason. Bruh. But I'm just kind of keeping my feet on the ground and and trying not to set myself up for disappointment. Listen. And um, call me call me emotionally protective if you want, but I, I've had a lot of disappointment for the last five seasons that I just can't take anymore. I am calling you emotionally protective because I'm going all in. <laughs> Listen, I got this. <laughs> I wanted in Bruno, and I got my Nigerian brother, Odian Igalo, who both of those, those two things happened to me this window. Brav, I'm going out the street streaking right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with a headset on it must look amazing <laughs> um, okay the the last Premier League game that I want to talk about before maybe we touch on Europe haven't decided yet is uh, is West Ham 3 Brighton 3 and I really only want to talk about it because David Moyes West Ham were 2-0 up then 3-1 up and then managed to concede 2 and, and, and draw 3-3 top stuff from Moisey I, I don't even want to talk about Moisey anymore how does he keep getting jobs? Anyway, whatever, whatever, whatever. Props to him. Yeah. Props to Alan Pardew. Props to... <laughs> oh, Alan Pardew. How's he doing? Well, how, how's uh, Alan Pardew's Den Haag doing? Uh, I know he, they drew nil-nil with Vitesse Arnhem, I think it was. Um, he won this first game and got battered 4-0 in the second one. I don't know if this was his third game or not, but I know those three results. And they are still okay. second from bottom. So, yeah. All right. Nice. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at it now. Yeah. So he's won one, lost one, and, and drawn one. Solid yeah, stuff. Perfect. All right. Let's go to Spain and Barcelona. Um, and really, I, I want to talk about this because Ansu Fati scored two goals and he's like 14 or something. Um, but wonderful assist from Messi. It was a brilliant ball. Uh, you know, shockingly perfect vision. Uh, oh, interesting. Fatih's full name is Ansumane Fatih Vieira. Huh. Wow. I don't know why I didn't know that, but I don't oh, know why sorry, it's relevant. He's got Mane and Vieira in his name. Seriously, that's a good legacy. To, <laughs> uh, 13, 13 games, four goals, uh, doing really well for a 17-year-old. Um, he's no Martinelli or Greenwood, but whatever. You know, wow. Barcelona will take it. Uh, yeah, but no, he's doing, he's doing really, really well. Doing really, really well. And uh, they needed that because Barcelona have not been performing that well under Setien, and I'm not sure they did that well in this game altogether, but they did get the win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Real Madrid beat Atletico Madrid 1-0. Atletico's season continues to derail. They're now down in fifth or sixth, I believe. Um, and uh, Real Madrid, you know, we, we spoke about when Setien was appointed that it really wouldn't take much of a dip from Barcelona to allow Real Madrid to take control of the title race. And uh, I believe they are now three points clear. There they are in number one. And it doesn't seem like they've really done that well. It seems like their best player is Karim Benzema. And they're top of the league. And I think they're going to take it this season. And that's all I had to add. Yeah, 
No, I, I kind of agree. They look solid. They're getting they're getting through. Ben, you're right. Benzema pulls them through a lot of games, and yeah, unless unless Barcelona can really click and discover something, this is definitely Real Madrid's title to lose. Uh, quickly to Italy, some weird stuff going on. Um, Lazio are, are absolutely rampant. Uh, Bernie, talk to me about Ciro Immobile, please. Um, Ciro Immobile is having the season of his life. Uh, he scored a goal that <clears throat> I didn't think was possible for him. Uh, he gets to the penalty box, the far side of the penalty box. The goalkeeper rushes out to try and get him. Um, so the goalie's now at the edge of his box but on the far side. And Immobile is basically just teasing him a little bit and then chips him into the net. And I thought, my God, what is going on here? Like, this is a man possessed. He now has 25 goals uh, in the league already this season. Jesus. And that is nuts. That's absolutely nuts. And the next guy, who is Cristiano, has 19, which should be the leading number of goals in any league right now. But Immobile is just absolutely killing it right now. Yeah, for context, top scorer in the Premier League is Vardy with 18, I believe. So, yeah, Immobile is way out in front. In, in a Lazio team that is scoring like three, four, and five every week, they're on 49 points. They win their game in hand. They're two points behind Juve. Um, and that would take them above Inter, who uh, won again uh, to regain some some winning form this season with uh, a brace from your boy Lukaku. Uh, whose boy? Yours. Uh, yeah, sure. He was my boy at one point. Uh, <laughs> good brace from Lukaku. Uh, he's doing his thing. Uh, 16 goals this season, uh, 117 minutes per goal. Uh, Ronaldo, 88 minutes per goal, and Chiro Immobile with 69 minutes per goal. That's disturbingly good. Uh, but yes, Inter, the Inter train was derailed a little bit. Uh, I think it was a previous match day or so. Uh, three points behind Juventus, and I still think Juventus are going to pull this through. It looks like it. Uh, Roche, I just want to get your thoughts on... Antonio Conte building this weird, like, knockoff Premier League team with Ericsson and Victor Moses and your favorite player in the world, Ashley Young and Alexis Sanchez. And, like, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? I mean, Antonio Conte is a very unique human being. But, um, you know, I, I heard that when they drew 1 1 in their previous league games, that he had some sort of heart palpitation. And, um, you know, I'm not surprised because he's fully invested into every single game he's playing. Mm. So I'm, I'm not in a position to question if he thinks that he has the right players to, to challenge or not. But I, um, I mean, you know, what, what can we say about Inter Milan? They've, they've come off, you know, five or six years, maybe even longer, of just a completely terrible cycle of teams. And so now that they're getting a surplus of players, you know, they have, they have a lot of players for each position now. And a lot of players are linked to them. So this is actually... Um, you know, sign of a new coming, a new beginning for this team. So Conte is probably probably keeping this team ticking along and, and growing in some way. It, so, so let me ask you this question, Roche. Um, remember when Mourinho left, like he won the treble and you know, historic season and he left and the team crumbled. And part of the reason they crumbled was no Jose and no continuity and Rafa was an idiot. But the other half was they just had a really, really old team. Now, do you think that Conte is setting them up just for a title challenge this season and potentially next? Or is, is there a possibility that he is building something for the future? Because based on, for me, I'm not sure where the future is, where the long-term future of this team is because everyone is so old for goodness sake. Yeah, they have, a, they have a good blend of young and old, I feel. I mean, they have Lukaku, Lautaro Martinez. They have another couple of players they're not coming to me right now um, Barella and Sensi are fairly young mm -hmm. that's true yeah so there is like a spine of this team that um, is young and can learn from the older players and I think that the players that have come to this inter squad like um, Alexis Sanchez even though he's on loan but now Ashley Young you know these are players with experience and I mean I think that you know if there was players with experience going somewhere and actually having a good league I think the Serie A league is is well suited to that because it's not as physically demanding as a league. It's more tactical. It requires a little bit of uh, analysis, a little bit of experience. Um, and I, I almost think that, you know, on one hand, Conte, he's just trying to get any player. But on the other hand, I think that 
the the blend of players that he has is almost like setting up the the future the younger players of this team to kind of challenge for a few years in a row even if Conte is not there yeah I think that's a good point and I think mm-hmm. if you if you look back to Conte's Juventus teams that won everything they, they had plenty of old gits as well you know mm-hmm. that's uh, true. there's a, a couple of, of uh, comments just <laughs> there's an article um that the Guardian do like after every weekend just rounding up the European football news and then people write their comments and and then the newspaper like picks the best two comments and <laughs> one of them so Ronaldo scored two penalties this week right so one of the comments was City should sign Ronaldo for 200 million just to take their penalties which I thought was cute but the other one was uh, and this is all in caps just for a bit more context there will always be a debate about which of Lionel Messi and Mr. Ronaldo makes for the best footballer However, there is no argument which one, based on current haircuts, makes their head look most like a turnip. Wow. <laughs> I assume it's in reference to Ronaldo's silly little top knot. Wow. I, I, <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. Life okay. has no meaning. <laughs> I feel like Alex was a journalist over here because this is like such an Alex thing. Yeah, I think I'll just continue to amuse myself then. <laughs> okay. Anyone have anything else or are we good? Uh, no, I'm good. All right. I'm also good, although I do feel a little bit of, uh, you know, I hate that it's time to part ways, but I guess uh, we covered everything. And unless our beloved followers and fans and listeners have anything to ask us, we shall depart. Yep. Well, they can't call in because it's a podcast, so we'll have to do it next week if they do. But uh, yeah. All right. Thanks, lads. And we'll talk to you everyone soon. blog at gmail.com follow us on twitter at under underscore the kosh and for articles predictions and the full experience go to under the kosh blog.com